0: We're fucking back, Unusuals. It's the most unusual podcast on the airwaves. Gravely Unusual Lives. And after this long hiatus, Edwin will be joined by Evan Dean Shelton of the Lurking Transmission Podcast. They have two very special guests from the underground. Jared of Death's Head Press and Sam of Weird Punk Books. They're going to discuss the horrors of indie publishing is also a special presentation of Jared reading excerpts from the most forbidden, unspeakable tome. So ask yourself, are you unusual? Uh,
1: What made you decide that you could be a publisher and when did this occur to you? (laughs) Uh,
2: I can go first. I have kind of a weird... I'd always wanted to be in publish or like run some kind of small press for years. And uh, in 2014, my friend Emma, Emma Alice Johnson, uh, approached me about doing an anthology, uh, like a horror bizarro anthology project dedicated to gumfuck punk rock artist Gigi Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of couldn't say no. And so she started Weird Punk. And then it's kind of a long, winding story. But eventually she was like, I'm, you know, this has been really fun and I've loved doing this, but I'm kind of ready to do other things. Do you want the press? And it seemed like I couldn't really say no. In the background, I kind of been thinking about doing my own, like also continuing to work before she came to me with this, kind of continuing to work on Weird Punk stuff. But I was like, Thinking about doing my own little small press, kind of in the Jim Shores model of uh, like limited chapbooks or, you know, limited novellas and novelettes. And so this, it was like, okay, this is already an established thing. It's already like, I've been a part of almost all of the books. Like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it and twist it into like kind of my vision, which leaned less from the musical aspect of punk, which all the releases up till then were very punk music forward, intermingling with horror being like, all right, for me, like, the punk element is the DIY ethos behind which I will run the press. And so it just kind of, like, happened to me. Like, all weird things just kind of fell backwards into it.
1: Right on. Cool, man. Cool. And when was that? Uh, Like, when did it change hands from the original founder to you? Uh,
2: 2018? Yeah, at some point in 2018.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And so when did she or the two of you start it?
2: 2014 was when we first conceived the idea, and that G.G. Allen book came out in 2015.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And how about you, Jared?
3: Oh, man. Uh, Unlike Sam, I I never really wanted to, uh, never, the thought of being a publisher never crossed my mind. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, I was just just hanging out one day, and uh, there was a book that I wanted to read. Uh, that didn't really exist. You know, it was a book of horror stories based on the book of revelations, you know, and I, and there wasn't one out there that, that I wanted to read. So uh, I started uh, emailing authors just to see if they would be interested in doing one. Uh, And most of them were like, well, you know, like, who the fuck are you? Why would we want to do a story with just some random dude? (laughs) So, so I talked to my buddy, uh, Patrick, who I invited to the, uh, that's Patrick C. Harrison 30s, my partner in Death Said Press. Uh, and we just really decided to say, well, we're going to have to start a press. You know, we're going to have to have a name to go with it. Uh, basically, we, we just started Death Set Press in 2018 on the premise of that book, which also won us a Splatterpunk Award for Anthology of the Year, and that's And Hell Follow. And that's really how we started
1: Damn, right on um so that that transitions me well into a, another thing i wanted to ask you guys about which was uh when it came to the the general aesthetic of your press um is that did you look around and try and fill a gap that you were seeing obviously you did jared right like you wanted that collection and weren't seeing it anywhere um is, is that something that uh that was going through your mind sam you and your friend when you founded weird punk
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, her vision was very much where punk and weird fiction collide, like various forms of weird fiction. Just, like, putting those two things together, let's do books like that. And, you know, I've pivoted a little away from that, and my vision now is more just, like, publishing weird shit that I really like. Right, (laughs) yeah. Kind of fits in a nebulous zone of, I call it weird horror where it can take elements of any number of horror subgenres, uh, but like the emphasis is on like good storytelling and whatnot, but also that it's weird, it's kind of twisted a little more in that you know '80s VHS cult horror vein. I always want stuff that's like a little. It's like it's not the the standard tropes. It's like the weird shit, like society.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. And uh, so when you made that shift for weird punk, do you? Like, did you get any pushback on that? Did you did you have supporters and followers who maybe wanted more of that musical aspect and wanted you to stick with that, and were kind of unhappy with you changing the direction, or or do you I think
2: everything moved copacetic? I think it was pretty smooth. I don't know that anyone was like actually upset. We had fielded the idea <sighs> of like the next anthology being a tribute to like eighties crossover thrash. And we oh, had kind yeah. of dropped little bits of that on the you know, on our social media and stuff. And then when that didn't happen, I think some people were disappointed. But I like the first thing I did when I took over Weird Punk after finishing the book I'd been in the middle of for Zombie Punk's Fuck Off, the next thing I did was the David Cronenberg tribute anthology, which lost to Deathhead Deathhead's press Deathhead Presses uh and hell followed for (laughs) Flatterpunk award Uh, sorry no no it's cool I like to think we were the dark horse in that race but you 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 beat us fair and square but we uh (laughs) that was kind of my pivot away from like okay what are other things I love and like Cronenberg and just kind of that high strangeness and body horror stuff really speaks to me so it's like this seems like an like a sensible move to do another tribute anthology, but pivot it into this other realm of things that I like that. I kind of figured the fan base would still appreciate.
1: Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We had a, uh,
3: we had a King diamond anthology that we were going to do that, that, uh, has died on the vine for now, but we're planning on revamping it. Here. Oh, it was... what's,
1: what's the story with that? Why, why is it stalled?
3: Uh, it, it's just one of those things, man. Uh, you get to working on certain projects and they just take on a mind of their own and just take over and right right sometimes things that aren't really solid that haven't been they're not in a phase of planning that you you can't stop it they just get uh, they just get pushed back it just happens
2: right' yeah, I don't that's still like a potential thing because i was really excited about that as a massive merciful Fate fan myself
3: (laughs) well i mean it's still ongoing we switched it over i don't know if you're aware i've got another press stygian sky media which we do a little less extreme uh and we focus on musical stuff so uh we transferred it over there so it's gonna happen just uh, it's gonna take a bit
1: Cool, man. Yeah, I'm psyched about that too. I, I want to submit to
0: that, man. Well, my yeah, brother, yeah, definitely.
3: Jeremy <laughs> Wagner, you know, he's he's a musical icon. You know, he's the guitarist for Broken Hope, uh, a <clears throat> very prominent death metal band. And right, he has yeah. the ends that we can actually get King Diamond to read and approve it, you know, and maybe you put a blurb <laughs> in there and maybe sign a few copies. So kind of waiting on that to try to get that going.
1: Fuck yeah, man. That's awesome. That's. <laughs> So cool. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we'll do it if we can get King Diamond involved. We'll do like hard covers and all kind of shit of that, you know. Oh yeah. hell
1: yeah, man! So. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Be hey, awesome. Uh, Edwin, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should just have Sam and Jared sort of give us a breakdown on each of their presses and and their vibe, you know, before we move forward. Because I think we're kind of talking about shit like people are already up to speed, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe they're some- not. Yeah, maybe we should give them some setup. Um, so uh, whichever one of you guys wants to just like sort of give us a a blurb about your press, um, go for it.
3: Go ahead, Sam. Man, you are on fire right now, so I think you should take the lead.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like my basically my mission with Weird Punk is just to put out books that I love. <laughs> so it's it's like kind of hard to really explain to people what the press is, but it's definitely like a lot of body horror. Uh, a lot of horror that kind of, like I said, blends genres where it'll be, I don't know, like I'm very interested in stuff that's like, oh, it's splatterpunk, but it's set in a folk horror setting. I haven't published that book, but somebody write that book and I'll publish it. <laughs> uh, but just stuff that crosses those little subgenres. I don't know. Yeah, that's just, I just like publishing the shit that speaks to me. And that's kind of my main goal is to never publish something that I don't love. Like, I won't publish something just because I think it'll make money, uh, which is probably the the wrong way to approach a business. But I truly <laughs> believe in like I will only put something out that I like fucking one hundred percent believe in. Uh, but right. that's been a lot of body horror. There's some other stuff too, you know, right, just weird fair, shit, yeah. just weird horror.
1: Cool, cool. Right
3: on. Well, I guess uh, at Press is pretty much uh, dedicated to the more extreme. Uh, horror or splatterpunk. Uh, we do the, uh, the genre bending titles a little as well. We're doing right now the splatter westerns, which splatterpunk and western mix, uh, they're doing quite well. Uh, and then with Stygian Sky, we're going to do more. We got like photography books planned, uh, just a more dark fiction as opposed to extreme horror. Uh, and of course, we like to like the books. I mean, unlike Sam, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even if I don't, I'm not in love with it and it can make me some cash, I'm probably going to publish it. Uh, so, fair, uh, yeah, fair. You know, uh, but I got to like it. I mean, I, I can't totally hate it, but.
1: Uh, right,
3: yeah. I, I would like to make some cash. You know, it would be cool
1: absolutely how'd oh you guys fall into the or did you fall into the splatter western thing or is that something you know that that you put the call out for because you personally wanted to see that or
3: no yeah actually that was uh, patrick my, my partner in Death Head press it was 100 percent his idea he's like we should do this you know and at first i was like oh uh, you know uh but once we we got some some authors on board And we got a few books under her belt. It was like, hmm, all right, you know, this isn't so bad. And uh, the books are great. And after that, it just kind of took on a mind of its own, and people started approaching us, so we –
1: we have to do a whole
3: another cycle of them next year.
1: So. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, I've read uh, Red Station and Red Station kicks major fucking ass. That's <laughs> Kindsy like, Jennings is, God. Is, is, is a wild woman. Yeah, she I is mean, a bad strange. ass, man. Like I, uh, I love stuff. Um the older I get, the more kinda easily bored I am. Um yeah. especially with, with printed fiction. I'm in the habit, big time, of listening to stuff. You know, while I'm at work at my day job, I will listen to stuff whenever I can to get through horror fiction. But if I'm gonna sit down with a book, like it needs to kick my ass, you know. Right. And uh, man, hers was like it felt like my favorite kind of movie. You know, it was like 80 minutes, no fucking filler, just nonstop right. heads it's getting smashed. Tarantino ish yeah it. yeah like so, Toby Hooper meets Tarantino right. like it was that was good shit man I it love was, that huh? book
3: I mean it, it is drawn its uh similarities to like Hateful Eight and uh <laughs> there was another another book but uh, it's definitely its own book you know she's a she's a wild woman
1: she is yeah it's have any of you guys book. read that Sam have you read that
2: one I haven't I'm woefully behind on the splatter westerns I really want to catch up because it's such a cool idea
0: yeah, I'm like really yeah. interested. I've been looking at the the catalog on there, and I'm like, man, these like just the covers alone like look so fucking awesome. That's oh Justin
3: yeah, T. Coons, he's a, he is he's he's pretty on fire as far as I the, mean, they look like
0: old like spaghetti westerns with like fucking like you know, Fulci fucking zombie like <laughs> looks to it, you know. So
3: well, that's what that's kind of the vibe we're putting out. I'm glad somebody's picking it up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean?
0: Yeah, those look so the like just the font and everything and. Yeah, definitely badass. Definitely have to pick some of those up. I love
2: that he's doing the covers for those. I just love seeing his work, anyhow. But he did the covers for the first few Weird Punk releases, too. And, like, what a fucking talented guy. And also, he's (laughs) super nice, but his paintings yeah. are fucking incredible so i was stoked to like you know you, i'd see him come up occasionally other presses have a book with his cover but the consistent consistency of just like the splatter westerns mm-hmm. every time fucking amazing cover by him is, is awesome yeah right i
3: mean we, we are, we'll be like well you can't top the last one so you know whatever mm-hmm. we get this time we'll <laughs> then then we'll get it we're like what the fuck you know god damn <laughs>
0: Yeah, I always find that is like uh, what happens when you, you have a really badass cover. You're like, oh, I'm never going to fucking top that. And then, right. you know, the next one, you're like, holy shit. You get it in and you're like, oh, what the fuck, you know? So
3: <laughs> I think I, Sam can back me up on this, but I think every cover is like that in a way. Every, each time you get one, you know, it's like, yeah, I love this, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and every one of them's your baby. It's like you can't pick your favorite one just like your children. Even though you have a favorite right. one, you can't really tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, so. Sure. Very you guys true. should do
1: – you should print some poster versions of those things, man.
3: It's in the works, actually. Uh, we're uh, we're talking to Justin about it right now, and that is going to happen.
1: Killer, killer. And, you know, i got to say before this uh, thoughts slips my mind, man, um, seeing as you said that that most of the idea for the the Splatter Western angle was from your buddy Patrick. Uh, I'm curious like is is does he write that kind of stuff or was he already reading that kind of stuff because if I imagine the voice of the guy who runs Death's Head press and puts out these books, it's your voice <laughs> you know what I mean like you sound like a guy who runs a splatter western press <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah that's good old Houston Texas you know what I mean so uh, and he's right on, from, uh he's from a few miles away up around Dallas so we're both Texans
1: okay cool and so was he already reading that kind of stuff or was that something he wanted to see and was not seeing
3: i mean growing up in texas we we all you know our our dads all read louis lamore insane great yeah yeah absolutely we we were always exposed to it uh but yeah he uh we were all reading it but it was his idea his little brainchild to put it all together so uh, i'm just uh i like to get out and spread the word but it's it's uh, his uh his baby cool man very cool so and and you know i'm not worthy in that department it was it was a great idea so
0: yeah i noticed that you know both you guys uh both your guys' press have you know you guys got a very strong catalog um i mean how uh, the difficulty with running a um independent publishing like what what are some of those struggles that really uh really get to you, but still, you know, you still got the motivation to go on, you know? Mm.
3: you You gonna take this one first? Against <laughs> you
2: then? can feel free to go first. <laughs>
3: All right. So, I mean, just seeing what we can, what we're capable of doing it really keeps us going. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, the, the margins are thin in, in in this biz, but it's it's the, the reaction of the readers. It's the, uh, it's the reaction of the author for getting their book out. Uh, it's the covers when you create something. And all of that really goes into to keeping going. I mean, it, like Sam said, it really isn't about the money at all. It's about putting something out that when we're gone might still be here and people might still enjoy it. So that's pretty much what it is for me.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest challenge for me, I think, is because I can't. I just simply can't divorce what weird punk does for my own personal tastes. Sometimes I feel like, Oh fuck, am I going to get another release like lined up, you know, by the time I should have the next release out. Cause I kind of locked myself into six releases this year and I did the subscription program and everything. So I'm really like every even month, like a book is coming out and I haven't done a like fully wide open submission in a long time, just cause that's its own kind of monster. Uh, but so that's why I started doing the the like, send me a pitch. And if I like it, send me the thing, just because it's like, I'm literally one person. I don't have the time to sit through, you know, a hundred or hundreds of novellas.
0: Oh, yeah. That's I mean, short stories are hard enough alone, you know,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. It's that is like brain melting. And yeah, you wanna be right. You want to be present for what you're reading. You don't want to approach it being like, I'm fucking exhausted. I've already read like three other things today. You know, you want to be like with it and really like focusing on it to see if you like it. So I I think the struggle always for me is like finding the thing. Like, what's the book? What's the book that I fall in love with? Because I I just have this weird thing where it's like, if I'm going to do this, it's a thing. It's like a passion so the only way i can keep it going is if i'm passionate about it because otherwise i'm not going to want to do the edits <laughs>
3: there you go
0: yeah uh, so we're it's... the
3: same way open submissions are a daunting task
0: oh. <laughs> fuck, fuck them dude <laughs> i can't do them anymore i do a whole different like just a whole different setup now usually like just like talk to people that you know want to submit hopefully they're down to submit something i I just like going through emails and stuff. I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the time. I really don't. Do right you know,
2: can I ask you, Edwin, do you do that same thing with the comics then too?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how the comic, we don't really get a lot of comic submissions. Never really have, but luck, I got lucky and fell into, um, getting a couple good submissions, like the first run, the first issue. And they kept submitting stuff. Then they worked with me on some. And then, uh, you know, met some other people, you know, via social media that were willing to collaborate with me. Um, So, yeah, that's how the comics go. I don't don't, usually I don't really get any comic submissions. And if I do, usually it's like people that really don't understand kind of the vibe that we're going for. So I don't even I don't even really do the open submission thing anymore. I like luckily, like Sam, you you know, you submitted one and I I get lucky with people submitting the cool, good authors and good artists submitting stuff. So that's
3: awesome. Comics are expensive, man. I, my hat's off to you. They are, I try, like I was telling you about the King diamond thing. I, I, you know, they just came out with an Abigail, uh, graphic novel. Well, I had the idea a few years ago to do it and I started it and man, it just was, it was unreal. The, uh, the process. So yeah, man, much respect.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's t- <laughs> the comics thing is tough. Uh, like I said, it's that, that's pure luck on, on my end. Uh, i went into this honestly went into it on a kind of like a egotistical perspective not saying that like i wanted like any like recognition but i wanted to make comics didn't know how to do it so um that's kind of why i did gravel unusuals maybe i can get other people to join me get some of my stuff up out there and yeah didn't even know what i was getting into
1: so right on. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah
3: <laughs> i love indie comics man it's it's uh it's, it's a great biz
1: that's uh, something I was going to ask you guys about. And that I'm really curious about is accepting work on spec. Um, and I know, you know, just from reading some of your guidelines, I know that you do that, Sam. And I'm curious, like what that process is like, do you get, uh, do you read partial manuscripts? Is it literally just a big ass detailed pitch or synopsis? And then you have enough of that person's writing and sample to, to trust them, to deliver on the concept. I mean, how does that go? How to, you know, I,
2: I actually don't accept anything until I have the manuscript and I like it.
1: Oh, okay, uh,
2: my, okay. my process hmm. is I do basically an elevator pitch or like just back cover copy, like write me the back cover copy for your book. And I, so I don't need to know like all the plot beats. I don't need to know, all the characters I just want to know like if I pick this fucking book up in a store what's the feeling I would get like you know what what does what are you going to pull me into the story through like how that would go in a store and then I also ask for if people kind of know uh, like tones and atmospheres and influences just so I can kind of wrap my head around what I'm like getting into is it you know Like, it's a very Kathy Koja thing. I'm like, cool, we're good. I'm probably going to want to read it. Uh, But so I basically, I only accept pitches on finished novellas. So it's send me the pitch. If I like your pitch, send me the, the book. Send me the manuscript. And then once I've read the manuscript, I decide. So I've never done that, like that spec thing. I just doesn't, I don't okay. know. That's kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I thought
1: that probably misunderstood something. I read Jared. in your guidelines. So.
2: But Jared, did you do something like that with the splatter Westerns where you were accepting pitches? Yeah, uh, we
3: did. Uh, and, and that's exactly how we do it. It's, it's give me your best pitch, you know, and then we'll let you know if we want the manuscript and if we like it, it's like, yeah, now send us the full, the full deal. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, we put a call an open call out for Twitter on Twitter to do the second season because, you know, we wanted – the first season was pure invitation. So, we already knew who we wanted to do it. But the second one, we wanted to let some more people in, get a different, fresh voice for the, the whole series. And uh, we got that. So, it was cool. I mean, I must have got oh, 500 – Jesus. Yeah, it was Damn, man. it was rough. I didn't know what I was in for at that time. Uh, and and then I promised uh the, I was like, I will answer each one of these back. And it just got to where I couldn't. You know, I Shit. it was it was so many. So
1: many. Are you on like every social media, Jared? Where or do you have a main spot that you're talking from?
3: I mean Twitter's our main spot, but uh we just had this, this our Dead Inside book blew up because some TikTok uh, <laughs> chick uh, did a TikTok video over it. So uh, I just Damn. made a TikTok account. So uh, that, that may take over. I mean, gotcha. <laughs> dude, I mean, we literally, it blew up. It was unreal. And it's just from one little video. <laughs> so, That's
1: excellent, man. We yeah. were,
3: we're, we're not above, you know, doing what works.
1: Right on, man. So, it's uh, but Twitter's it's,
3: our main gig.
1: Okay. It's well, been kind of slow going for us. You know, uh, Edwin and I are, are putting things together for this black metal-themed anthology. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to say that we were getting so many emails it was too much to pick through or a pain in the ass. But it, it ain't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't like that. Well, I mean, count your chickens
3: because... I would rather go for quality over quantity any day of the week. I mean. Oh, true.
0: true. With, yeah. With, with, I think with, that's kind yeah. of what happens with us, too. Like, we'll, like, read a couple bummers and then, like, I'll get, like, a text from Evan. It's like, dude, have you read this new one? And I'm like, no. And then I read it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. yes. You know, let's do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: You'll get a lot more towards the very end, like that last week of the open submission period too. A feeling that's when everybody's going to crash in with theirs.
1: Right. right on. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I
3: mean, I get solicited, you know, when are y'all doing open submission again? I mean, that, that may be never, you know, uh, because it's just that tough.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the position you want to be in, right? Like you want to be where you, you have a name and a network of connections that you can, you reach out to the people you want.
3: Right. I mean, and, and, and it, you can't help but feel like you're being a bit snobbish and yeah, it's sure. Not the, it's not the intent at all. Uh, it's just—I mean, it's almost a, a price that goes hand in hand with becoming a little bit successful. You know, right? It's, you kind of have to go that that route. You know, you still get unsolicited manuscripts every day, too. Oh, yeah, it's which, which <laughs> aggravating.
4: Yeah, <laughs>
3: it's very aggravating. Yeah. I mean, you want to be nice to everyone that that <clears throat> takes the time to reach out to you. But at some point, you know, even at cons, I mean, I've got this little three page uh, thing that somebody handed me in Kansas City. We just did Crypticon there in uh, Kansas City. And uh, I mean, this is the worst thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It it literally is. It's it's called Feast of Infants. And uh, and it's, it's about this. It's a dude. And he's writing in. It, like he's a chick, and it's just like, oh my god, I could never publish this. I mean, it is, yeah. it, it has incel written. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I promise. <laughs> John Wayne Communali was over at the house uh, earlier today. We said, he said, you should read that on, uh, on the podcast tonight. So I promised him that I was going to read y'all some sections out of this. So, uh, what <laughs> publishers actually have to go through. Over to put a book out, you have to go through this kind of stuff. So,
1: oh yeah, go for it, man.
3: Oh, you would y'all like the first pass? I told him I'd do three passages. Oh so yeah. Please, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, please. All right, <laughs> All right. All right. I'm, I'm and I'm not gonna give the dude's name because I'm not here to dox anyone. So, and I'm not making if the guy's out there trying, I'm not knocking him. Okay, so before this goes air, please don't cancel me because I'm making fun of this dude's writing because it's it is like so here we go. So, all right, surprisingly, it was a lot for an old biker. He was he had to be at least 60, but fuck, he was hung. Well over 10 inches with the girth to make it erotically wicked painful. When he shot his load in the back of my throat, I fucking gagged like a privileged little Catholic schoolgirl with daddy <laughs> oh issues. <my. laughs> I, I forced myself to swallow it all, even. With that huge old white cock deep in my loose whore throat. Ho, right. ho,
1: ho, 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 ho. Oh,
3: that's only that's the third paragraph and the fourth paragraph. Oh
0: it gets yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a hustler like uh, fucking story or some shit. Like a <laughs> yeah. hustler vignette? What the like, <laughs> letters? With my
3: wife, my wife actually, because I wasn't going to read it at all. She's like, Jared, you have to read this. I was like, I don't have time. I'm not reading that. You know, she's like, you're going to have to read this. So oh. I thought, all right, something good. But it was just so bad. So bad. And this bad. guy really took up a lot of our time. He was like, he was one of those <laughs> insistent guys at a con. You walk down to the other end of the table and then he's following you up and down the table. And <clears throat> it was oh, gross. yeah. The
2: best. Yeah. When you invest that time in somebody at a convention and then they don't fucking buy something. He didn't buy
3: anything. (laughs) He didn't
2: even pick up a book, bro. Oh Oh,
1: yeah, man. So I mean
3: he was not the only guy to do it at this convention. I had a guy come up with a binder. I was like, oh no.
0: He's got (laughs) a binder in his hand. Oh fuck.
3: (laughs) So yeah, but and, and again, I'm not knocking these guys, at least they're out trying, but Uh, You gotta, you gotta have some perspective over the ways of the world right now. You know what I mean. You cannot, or even when when all of this wasn't a thing, cancel culture and everything, you could never put anything like this out,
0: except for a letter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is
3: beyond Chuck Tingle. You know what I mean. This is way. This is
2: Anyway. (laughs) anyway. It's oh it's great that's
0: definitely like the uh the the, the worst part about cons too is dealing with fucking people like that you know like just like lingering at the table acting so interested but in the end you know you're like dude this is here we're here to sell shit either right. buy some or get the fuck out you know what you i know,
3: mean <laughs> and i do not mind talking to anybody at cons i'm yeah. not trying to be a snob but but there's you know because they're all wanting to take a shortcut you know what i mean yeah so they're, right they're, right uh, and that's what that's their whole game plan you know so and they know this they act like they don't know it but pretty much anybody with a brain knows that that's not the way to do it i'm sure they've been online i'm sure they got a computer uh but yeah like you say at least buy something that's gonna make me a little more interested in what you have to say <laughs> at least <act> interested <laughs> in my books
2: yeah like yeah you know, i i hate to reduce it you know interaction with someone to a dollar sign yes. <laughs> that makes me feel gross but at the same time like especially when it's like that type of person who's just taking up so much of your time and you can't really get to other people right. and then you're like i've been <laughs> fucking talking to this guy for 12 minutes and then he's just right. like all right bye. bye like okay cool Well, i'm glad we talked for so long and that wasted potential sales you know elsewhere well these oh these God. tables cost money, you know. Yeah, know,
0: yeah, they're money. expensive as hell some places too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this
3: the space we had in Kansas City was was like six hundred bucks. And God that's damn. that's a lot of books. Yeah. Just to meet that. And then you've got the hotel. So when you're out at cons, I mean it's great to be meeting people, but man, you're there to hustle books. That's yeah. the that's the long and the short of it. You are you're there to sell some books
2: you like, if you want to talk to me, like, I'll be in the bar after the venue closes. Yeah, <laughs>
3: right, right, right. Expecting a free drink for my writing advice and tips. <laughs> yes. So.
0: I know, I know when, when I'm at cons, I don't really, I'm not, like, a super interactive person. I usually always have, like, someone with me that's way better at that. Um, but even then, like, even just being smaller, you know, like, uh, we do one in Lexington called uh, Scarefest
3: yeah i did Scarefest last one last one it was
0: at yeah i think you were there with john wayne uh weren't you there yeah because he bought a gravel unusual i bought uh i think i bought sinkhole and my friend bought uh i think it was skimmer is what it's called scummer 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 that's it yeah but yeah but john was cool as hell and he was like really cool to talk to he like chatted with us a little bit i think he like smoked a bowl with like my friend or something but uh well,
3: that's definitely john wayne that's well, that, yeah that's, that's
0: <laughs> and i think he told me on sunday he's like all right man we're out he's like because he, he came back and he said he said like later to us and he's like we sold out i was like holy shit he has sold out dang like
3: dude it was a good show for us i mean because we were out in the uh like what we would call the ghetto at first you know but everybody that came in and out of that con had to pass by our table
0: so yeah yeah i think you guys were on like the outskirts area like where the uh the 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 doors were like the two doors were like, yeah. Scumbags were yeah. all the
3: scumbags. Yes. That was us. Oh, but yeah. uh, people were into it and there wasn't many uh uh book tables. There was very few authors and stuff selling books there. So it was great. I was going to try this year, but it's just not in the cards.
0: Yeah, I'm doing it this year. Um I tried to get out of it, but I, I, I can't, so <laughs> I'm going to end yeah. up going, but, <laughs> I did it in 2018, and I got, like, a big – I got a big table. Didn't know what – this was, like, first show, and I didn't sell shit, man. I didn't sell yeah, shit. Yeah. But then I got those little art tables close to by where you guys were for, like, 150 and I ended yeah. up selling, like, double what I usually sell. And, you know, it just – it really is – it's, like, hit or miss, you know, at, at cons.
3: It's like cha-ching. Yeah, it is hit or miss. This Kansas City was pretty good. We had a, we had a huge space. It was uh... – it was two eight foot tables and two six foot tables. And it was fucking massive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and John Wayne was supposed to be there too, but uh, yeah, and for the record, he stood stood us up and went to Indianapolis instead for Days of the Dead. <laughs> I just want to let everyone know that I still love him, but he definitely fucked us on that deal.
1: <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so these these cons they sort of lean a lot
0: more towards film, right? Yeah, I think so. Most of the ones I go to are, I mean, it's usually like they got their big seller is like, you know, they got Bruce Campbell where they got yeah. some big
4: right. name there.
0: And most of the people there are like walking by the table, just like they'll flip through it, walk by. But then you get, you know, some of the interested people that are there for the, you know, the the deep cuts, I suppose.
3: Well, the, right. the biggest guy they had here this time. So this was uh, this is you got to understand this is first one post COVID uh, with the kid from Gremlins. Uh, okay, yeah.
1: Zach and, Galligan, you mean? Yeah?
3: Zach Galligan, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Uh, that was the biggest. Uh, and Vinny Apiece from, uh, you know, the
1: drummer. For That's Black interesting. <laughs> yeah, he was
3: there. Uh, but that was it. The, and Billy Zane. Sorry, Billy Zane. You
0: know, oh, that,
3: Billy Zane. That, Billy Zane was there. But Billy Zane's always there. If you don't go to a con and see Billy Zane, you are not going to the right con. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh,
1: Billy yeah. Zane. He's uh, nice good dude. <laughs> so
3: i have know always t-shirt joe t-shirt joe is at every con you ever go to so here's a shout out to joe garcia from fast custom shirts
1: oh <laughs> shit right on yeah
3: he's there all the time ten dollars shirts
1: <laughs> excellent that, that sounds like the place i would be it is <laughs> and he always is
3: willing to swap books for shirts so that's why i have so many cool ass t-shirts
1: nice <laughs> very nice <laughs> Um, have you guys noticed as you know indie publishers yourself this sort of trend in indie horror towards the novella that's, and that's uh awesome. do you think that is directly related to like do you do you think that is horror film has uh influenced literature so much that we've now like the pacing and the timing of stories now just sort of kind of meets what a film feels like. Does that, does that seem, you know,
2: you guys noticing that? I definitely like the novella thing is that's all I do other than anthologies. I don't publish novels. I publish okay. novels. I prefer
0: the, I prefer novellas a lot of the times just because they're, you know, um, I, I like, I like a quick read. I like something I can pay attention to. I like something that is, you know, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll read some other like, you know, longer stuff, but like, I don't, that's why I like the, that's why I read a lot of weird punk is because I can, I can, you know, knock out a book in a a few days and, you know, and it's enjoyable, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's like the reason I do novella is like exclusively other than anthologies is because as an editor, uh, editing longer work is fucking exhausting. And I honestly just don't want to do it. (laughs) I like, 20,000 to 40,000 words is a comfortable zone where, like, on the 40,000 end, I can do it in a few days, like, really, a really deep, like, edit. Um, the 20,000 end, I can probably do it in a day. But, like, you you get fatigued. At least I do. I get, like, my eyes get tired. My, is like, sitting there for hours going through, you know, super close, detailed eye trying to not miss anything. And you're doing it right. multiple times, right? I'll go through the book several times to make sure there is... Clean as I could possibly make them, and then you still, you know, usually miss a thing or two. Uh, but I just, no. I just like it's exhausting. Thinking about doing like an eighty thousand word book makes me not want to publish. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I'm lucky I don't edit our stuff because I, I mean, I just sent our editor a hundred and sixty thousand uh, word book, and I was like, oh, I would hate to do
1: that. Oh my. Yeah. God. <laughs> right on. So you're the only reader and editor at weird punk sam
2: yeah it's weird punk is just me there's no one else it's me in the office i publish you know working on that stuff together when when we're doing a book but i do everything i do the i fucking do the mail order like for the web store that's all me like i you know i edit i so do you
0: ship everything out of your house like do you like have like boxes of books and just ship them out every day
2: yep I, I literally like anything you buy in the weird punk web store like i have packed and, and written man. the address on the Same end here Same yeah
3: here.
2: I've got my, i'm
3: looking at with my rolo thermal printer right now sitting next to me
2: Yep. Uh,
0: <laughs> so. very cool man, that, man. I, I know that is exhausting for me like and i i only do 150 runs every time you know what i mean so i mean i can't imagine like <laughs> shipping well, all that shit
3: well, we did the this Joe Lansdale special edition little chapbook, and we did five hundred of them, uh, and I took pre-orders. So I, I was just I wasn't really paying attention to the web store, but when I looked and the books finally came in, I mean there was like three hundred, mm-hmm. you know, that I had to do immediately, and it got really. Right. You know, the post office were like giving me the side eye. Like, yep. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well, like, I, like a toppling stack of, you know, stuff you're mailing. They're like, fuck, I got to check this, check this, yeah, check this. I,
3: gotta, I bring in boxes, you know, and they're just like, oh yeah. my God. You know, but luckily, <laughs> I, like I said, I print the, the postage here at the house because if you had to stand in line to do that, they would just not do it basically. yeah, yeah. Our, our post oh, office shit. is sucking here lately. The USPS is not what it used to be. <laughs>
2: yeah, right I, when we did the pre-order for Eric Larocca's book, uh that pre-order was easily the biggest I'd ever done. And I had to order more cases like in the middle of packing them. Yeah. And, it was, sure. and I don't do like, I mean, I, I know you can probably do it on stamps.com or whatever the fuck, but like the USPS website, you can't buy media mail. So, so you can, I
3: use Shopify and okay. you can buy media mail. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Web, it's awesome. Dude. I
2: should do something like that. Cause I literally go in with, and I broke it up into clusters because I literally didn't want to show up with 300 books to then have them, you know, type in and print the labels. And But I, I brought like 100 books one day. It was the very end of it. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Right. I'm just well, here with my 100 books fucking. I'm just going to stand here for an hour while you do that. Right.
3: I swear by the Shopify app. I mean, it keeps inventory, it keeps calls for you. Uh, and then you can go in and you can do any kind of shipping you want. FedEx, UPS, DHL,
0: uh, that, that's how the big cartel app is. That's or the, the website that I use. I just use oh, big yeah. cartel and you can use media mail and yeah. all that shit. What, uh, it even yeah. gives you a
3: discount if, if you've got an account, you know what I mean? Yeah, so,
0: sure. yeah. I use, I
2: use square, uh, just cause then it's integrated for like doing shows, right? Everything. Yeah. Uh, so I use Square, but I wonder, if I could probably figure it out. I'm just like, so I lost, I got laid off during COVID. So I don't have a job. So this is my job. But like, I Same. believe it or not, I fucking worked at a software company. But I'm like the most Luddite motherfucker. <laughs> Literally <laughs> okay. every morning, I just like, you know, when the packages, I hand write out the addresses. It's just, it's, oh my God. it's just what works for me. I gotta do everything right. my own dumb, stupid way, <laughs> so do you
3: have labels or do you are you like spraying adhesive on a piece of paper like I used to do
2: uh, yeah, you know? no, I just uh I write it right onto the bubble ship oh, yeah. thing, yeah, yeah, we went to a
3: poly. <laughs> poly shipping thing because yep. the post office was just destroying everything we sent.
2: Yeah, the uh, poly mailers are the shit right there. They are. Those line
3: you can get a case of them pretty cheap. Yep. And,
2: yeah, and I've really, got... they
3: next day delivery. Got so a few of like, those
2: in my back room. <laughs> yeah. So,
3: I mean, you can get some really nice mailers too. You can get the personalized one with your logo on it, but you're... I mean, every every dollar you spend, you know, you know how it is.
2: Yeah, yeah that's the thing, like, the really with doing a small process there's a lot of ways to accidentally spend a bunch of money
3: and you don't even realize it's happening yeah it's so cool yeah people are gonna love it what those people do is rip the shit out of that and grab that book and then throw the wrapper away yeah Yeah, exactly doesn't make a difference
0: (laughs) i go the cheapest packaging route that i can i'd literally have packing tape and just like a plain bubble mailer you know yeah yeah I find it's old a- boxes I can stick together if I oh. have to do a bigger order, you know? Yep. <laughs> oh, people, people
3: have emailed, Oh, thanks for recycling these boxes. You no, know, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of it as recycling. I was thinking of, it just saving $2?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. You way. got it in a home
3: Depot box. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys ever had anyone lose your, uh, orders ever? Dude,
3: eight. Um, the USPS lost eight of our shipments last week.
0: Oh God. It's uh, uh,
3: very important. I had, a uh, uh, Hanzi Oppenheimer, who did uh, the documentary All Hell, yeah, for,
1: King, yeah,
4: uh, yeah.
3: So, so we made a deal that she was going to send me a deluxe uh, edition of that movie, and I was going to I was going to get Joe to personalize a couple of these uh, these little chapbooks for. Her, and they lost that, so oh, fuck, no, oh that's, that's just kind of irreplaceable, you know. Now I got to because I got to spend a whole day with Joe because uh, we live pretty close together.
1: And, oh, very uh, cool, man!
3: Yeah, and spend, spending spending a day with Lansdale is 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 pretty fucking awesome. I, I gonna bet lie. in his yeah. hometown and his in his environment when when he's just like Joe, you know what I mean? So, right, uh, so I might have to do that again. I mean, so it has a, it has its perks, but it was but losing something like that and in and, and they've lost a lot of packages. And as you, as the publisher, you want your readers happy. Yeah, you want them coming back, so you just got to send them another one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. You got to take the the loss on it and just <laughs> <Send> <laughs> fuck it, dude. Yeah, that's saying, what I do. Like, not-
3: I cheaped up. I cheaped up on the on some of these because this uh, this chapbook is so thin. I was able to send it first class instead of media mail. Yeah, but I didn't realize you didn't get a tracking number. Uh, so I, I sent out like two hundred like this, and then I'm getting these these emails. Hey, this hasn't arrived, and oh, and I was like, oh man, why did you do that? Why did you <laughs> try to save a dollar? in 14 cents you know? <laughs> well, i
0: sent out uh i sent out i got like i did a distro order in january i got sent like 25 copies to maryland which is not even far from where i live it's like maybe like eight hours the the package i sent it media mail in a box you know and it got lost and they did a whole like process i just got the the email yesterday it's like oh we didn't find your package i was like fuck i never expected <laughs> to find it anyways right. you know okay, i do already
3: give up on that shit. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I as soon a, as it said delivered, and they called me and said, No, it hasn't been delivered. I, it's over.
0: I've I just worked. want to know who got those 15 or 25. It was 25. I want to know who's got those 25 copies where that fell <laughs> off at. Like, what are they doing with that <laughs> shit?
3: And hope they like them or, and doing <laughs> something yeah. worthy with them. Yeah. Right.
0: There's I've some got a kid with
3: like a sidewalk my, and... like,
2: subscription club thing. And he hit me up and he was like, I'm just, or he ordered again, like the same book or books. Uh, and I was like, Hey, you already have this one. Like I sent it to you. Do you really want a second copy? Like, I'm happy to, but I just want you to know that like you're accidentally, I think buying a second copy. He was like, Oh no, I never got it. I was like, well, you can, I can just, you don't need to pay for it. He's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I'm happy to just buy another copy. He was, he lives in Philadelphia and he was like, yeah, I talked to the post office and they have no idea where it is. And it's been like a month and Eventually, literally, like four months later, he got it. It wow. was he said it was beat to fuck, but it was just like kicking around between distribution centers, locked in the back it, of a truck.
3: Oh my god! See, we deliver overseas, and that's even a really even
2: worse game. I lose it. Yeah, fuck that sucks. Fuck that.
0: I got a package sent back from Denmark like uh, two weeks ago, and I don't. I tried to get a hold of the dude no response so i'm just like waiting like and they're they just the usps told me like well there's nothing really we can do you he wrote the address wrong it's fucked i was like oh well i'm not sending you know an international package again
3: <laughs> right yeah that's like 20 bucks you yeah, know, yeah. minimum
2: yeah yep. so,
0: yeah. I,
3: I
2: won't do that yeah
3: we, I mean, we do it's, it's a sketchy biz you know it's, especially with you know our post office has gotten bad but overseas their post office you never know You know, the guy might be like, I was in the mood for some books. Just rip your shit open and just, Uh you
1: know. (laughs) Right on, man.
3: That was like my generic European accent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that works. It works. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of the Eric LaRocca book, Sam, that shit's doing well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like blowing
0: up right now.
2: So jealous! uh, (laughs) That went viral on TikTok TikTok twice, which I think is part of why it's done so well. uh, On top of just everything else, but yeah, it's. uh, I did the numbers yesterday. Think it came out June first, and I did the numbers of all sales types, like physical and eBooks through all the distribution networks, like all the different types of eBooks, all the different countries, plus all the like copies that I've moved in the store and it sold sixteen thousand copies, which is just fucking mind blowing. Like mental, man. It's I can't great, even like dude. it's fucking sad when I look at the highest seller below it. It's a, <laughs> more than a chasm. It's like fucking insane how much more yeah. it's sold.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well some things hit at the right time, you know? I, yep. I feel like um like Eric has a a voice, you know, a, as a person um, and a writer that is desirable right now that is uh, highly marketable. The cover design of the book was fucking killer. Um, you know, I haven't read the thing yet, but I'm planning on reading it. it from everything i hear, it's a great fucking story. You know, I, I just think everything hit right at the right time for you guys. That's,
2: you know Jared and I were we were messaging back and forth a few days ago about how we're both gonna be on this and as saying that like some stuff just hits that wind right you want every yeah, release to do that you want every release to like somehow just like the right circumstances and it ends up in front of a bunch of people but most books don't but every once in a while one it's it's like a perfect storm that you can't replicate which is the other really frustrating thing yes because i've had people ask me like how did this happen and i'm like fuck if I know
4: we did <laughs> right, the, like yeah.
2: it's a good book. Eric's like, I mean, it's a really fucking good book. Eric's an incredible writer. The cover was really good, but like, I don't know that I could ever make this happen again. It just kind of happened.
3: And it said fucking TikTok. Who would have guessed, man? That shit is
2: on yeah. fire. Yep. Book talk yeah. is the wave of the
3: future until they figure out a way to ruin it. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Oh, it won't take
1: long. It won't take long.
3: Right. I mean, they did. Facebook used to be really good and it's it's dead. Facebook is dead in. Yeah, they trash
2: that. They sell nothing on there.
3: No, but Twitter, I mean, I sell a lot on Twitter. Yep. Uh, We've been lucky enough. You know, I've got Sadie Hartman, you know, Mother Horror does the Nightworms thing. Yep. She's our publisher. She She runs all our social media sites and she is responsible for doing the promotions and everything. So she pretty much has her finger on the pulse of what's you know, what's going on. So, but we, we totally missed this TikTok thing, but we're, we're making up for it now.
1: Right on, man. Right on.
3: I was, I mean, I was really shocked when this TikTok video made Dead Inside, because it's been out for a year, you know, and it's had some decent sales, but like I sold more in one day than it had in the whole previous year. Right. And it was like insane. Wow. So...
1: I mean, it was great. That's awesome, man. And you're so happy. You're like,
3: oh, you email the author. We're like, you're going to be rich, bitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, you know, numbers aside, we don't have to talk details and specifics, but what are your most popular titles um, for both of you guys? And uh, did you expect those titles that are your most popular ones? Did you expect those to be the most popular before they were out?
2: Uh, Obviously for me, definitely Eric's book is the most popular. And I kind of had a feeling that that one was going to do pretty well. Like it was going to do well. I didn't know it would do like this is fucking crazy. Uh, I think the second bestseller, like I said, like I literally just did the numbers on all the releases just because I was curious like over time, how many have sold. And the second, and I kind of knew it would come in second, the New Flesh, the Cronenberg Tribute, is a 2nd oh, best yeah. selling book, which makes sense because that has a built-in group of people who are automatically going to be curious about it because they like, right. you know, like a Cronenberg Tribute. And if you like Cronenberg, there's already an attachment there. Uh, and then like a bunch of the novellas were all kind of, Roughly like really neck and neck for third. Uh, I think the Wingspan of Severed, Severed Hands, uh, Joanna Koch's book, and Sabbath of the Fox Devil's mind novella were like really close in that third tier. And hers I thought would sell, but I also knew it would alienate people. Uh, and I don't mean that as a slam. It's just a really complex, dense oh. prose kind of a mind <laughs> fuck of a book the kind of thing that i love to read uh it was definitely a little different than any of the other books i put out but i kind of thought it would do like it would do all right that people would attach to it and that seems to have happened
1: right yeah i think that's that's going to be my next purchase and next read is that book of joanna's because we got a submission from joanna for our black metal thing and it is fucking (laughs) phenomenal dude like Uh, they are such
2: a fucking good writer i can't wait to read that
1: (laughs) absolutely man just like the the density of the prose was nuts i was sitting there literally like mouth hanging open reading this shit like fuck this is next level good
2: yeah they i love to work with them i did uh i did that beautiful grotesque mini anthology that was just me inviting some you know, mostly just people I'd worked with who I'm friends with work people I'd published with or want to publish through Weird Punk. And they were one of the people I asked and their story in that too is like mind-blowingly cool. And I'm just like every opportunity I can get to work with them, I will take it up. We're even in talks about editing, like co-editing an anthology together next year. I don't cool. think I can say much yet, but that is <laughs> and it just like, an opportunity to work with them is uh is something I will always want. They're mind-blowingly talented.
1: Yeah, seriously. Seriously.
0: Whose dogs are those?
1: Yeah, who's
2: beating
0: their dogs? <laughs> right. No, dude, that's my dog. He's uh, Dude, if I'm not in the room, he like freaks the fuck out, dude, yeah. and I don't know what to do. I can't let him in here cuz he'll like literally eat everything. So uh, Hey, give me a minute. I'm going to go check on him. He probably has to go out. Give me one second.
1: Uh, no problem, man. I've
3: got four Great Danes sitting in this house, so... Uh,
0: oh,
1: shit, really? Yeah. How do you, uh, you... Like, do you live in a McMansion? How do you house four Great Danes? Well, we... I mean, we did move out... Of, we moved further out in the burbs
3: to get a bigger house for the dogs. I mean... <laughs>
2: right, the, right, right. It's for the dogs. <laughs> it's for the right. Dogs,
3: you know. Now, they... Uh, I mean, it's no small house. It's no McMansion. But uh, we got some horses. We love animals, so...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you train horses, right?
3: No, I don't train them. I just feed them carrots and shit. (laughs) Okay, yeah. My wife rides them. (laughs) Fair enough, uh, yeah. And uh, she rides them, and to me, they're just big dogs. I love them. Uh, Right. They have good personalities. Uh, My wife cares. She rides. She used to do the dressage, you know, the jumping and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. These horses aren't anything like that. These are, I mean, one of them was a, Some guy had it out in his pasture for five years, never did anything with the horse. So we're like, we'll take your horse. You know, we won't pay you, but we'll show her some love, you know. Right. And then the other one, you know, wasn't kept in the greatest condition. So we bought that one as well. And then uh, the, the other one she just wanted. So course happy wife happy life So <laughs>
1: exactly to... yeah then she's yeah. like we
3: gotta have a house to put all these horses in so, <laughs> so, i'm a slave to the man for the rest of my life unless, <laughs> yeah unless this death set press thing really takes off
1: so, yeah yeah no i feel like uh you know if, if Kenzie jennings uh retains her working relationship with you she's gonna eventually supply you with something that's gonna jump off like eric's book did
3: well, I, I have no doubt about that. And I have that feeling about Chandler Morrison too. I think Chandler is going to be one of the, he's going to, in a few years, people are going to look back and go, yeah, man, that dude is pretty hot. So uh, I don't know. Cool. Yeah,
1: what's you know, the name of you his? But you think that
3: about every one of your authors.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs>
3: You're like, this is about to be a household name, bitches. And then you sell 14 copies and you're like, oh, man, what the, what? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. You know,
3: and it, it's, and believe me, you know, when the author, you gets, you know, like, why is my book now? You're as just as disappointed as they are. Yeah. Because you've got a lot invested in these books. I mean, you don't have as much like a piece of your soul like they do
4: right. invested
3: in, in their book, but because, you know, they could have been holding on to that, that book for 10 years, you know, and you just got it, but. When it doesn't do well, you're you're legitimately depressed about it, you know, yep. and, right. and you're always wondering how, what, you know, what can I do to, to to get this out to more people? You know, and it just uh, right. sometimes it just doesn't
2: <clears throat> happen. I have a thing with that because I, I definitely always feel that uh, I, I don't know if it's exactly guilt, but, you know, there is, I think something to be said for the guilt of it. Being yeah, sure, guilt. Yeah, absolutely. This didn't do as good as I thought it would. This didn't do as good as it should have. You know, what was, what did I fuck up or why, why did it not do as well? But I have a thing. I know a lot of small presses, just from what I've seen, because I, you know, pay attention. Uh, there, it seems like a lot of small presses like plug the stuff when it comes out and then unless it has a lot of organic reach, they kind of stop plugging it. As much. Guilty. Right. It's the next new thing, the next new thing, the next new thing, which is like legitimate, right? You want to be plugging your new books. But I truly try really hard to keep the back catalog relevant. Not that I have as deep of a back catalog as you do. But, you know, I just try to make sure that, like, I'm still plugging those books. I'm still talking about those books. And then I'll get waves of sales from that, too. Uh, even in the newsletter that I intermittently do, I always make room for one of our, I talk about one of the older releases. Like, here's why you should fucking buy this book. Uh, Cause it's awesome because I publish awesome books. Uh, but I just think that a lot of publishers let stuff kind of die on the vine, uh, which is a, a thing that I understand why, right? That's just the nature of the business. It's always what's coming up next, what just came out. But I, I do think it's a disservice to those titles to some degree where it's like you could really keep having those sales or even just little sales bumps by keeping it still in the conversation.
3: I am I agree 100%. And I am, I am the biggest perpetrator of this, (laughs) Uh, you know, because we do a a lot of releases a year and it didn't start out. We didn't plan on doing this many releases because we wanted to give every book a lot of attention for the life, for the life of the book
2: yeah. because
3: basically that's what you're telling this author when you sign them on is that you are going to take this book and treat it like your own and try to sell it. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm guilty of that. And we're trying, we're working on it, but good point, Sam. Yeah. It's hundred percent.
2: How many, sure. how many books do you think you're, do you know you're doing this year? Do you know what your number is?
3: This year? I think Twenty books. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was crazy, and I don't mean you know. I'm just, I just really pulled that number out of my ass. Sure. Uh, I am not gonna lie. It could be a little less than that, but it's at least fifteen. Yeah. Uh, because we've got multiple. Sometimes, like in the next few months, we've got a, a whole spate of releases from Ryan Harding to you know Wiley Young. That stuff that we've been sitting on because we're doing these splatter westerns, right? So, I we don't we want to keep churning out stuff other than splatter westerns because eventually, just like zombies, it's all going to go, it all comes and goes,
4: right? So, yeah, we, right. we really
3: don't want to you know beat it till it's dead, we want to leave kind of on the top of the game. But, right, we had so many people who wanted to do one, and it's hard to say no, so right, and then you end up with 30 books.
2: So. Yep, that's funny because I like. I kind of wondered with that specifically with the splatter Western, because when you did the open call, I was like, not that you would have necessarily accepted it. I'm not saying that, but I had an idea that I I'd kind of been kicking around. And then I looked at the reaction to that. And I was like, they're going to be putting out a lot of these. You're going to be getting a million pitches. So that's part of why I didn't pitch, but you're going to be yeah. putting out so many of these that I was like, I wonder what the, like, at what point is that going to start at? to taper off like the interest in that
3: well i mean mm-hmm. i i think it i think one more good year of it i think would all that i would have faith
2: yeah that sounds about right to me too yeah yeah.
3: i mean you don't want to you don't want to keep putting it out you don't want to be the uh the friday the 13th of books you know and just <laughs> right. uh, keep going until or let's see the leprechaun of books, you know. The, the <laughs> so are you
2: yeah. telling me you're going to do a Splatter Western in space next? <laughs> oh, my right.
3: God. Believe it or not, that the idea has been gross. Uh, but, no, absolutely not. We, I mean, after this next season, we're moving on. I mean. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Straight from the horse's mouth, we're moving on. Now, yeah. the, the next season is going to be completely different. It's going to have a lot of fresh voices, a little a, a, Bunch of different perspectives, yeah you know. So you know, Haley Piper's doing one, and uh, I think we've got a lot of, of female writers doing stuff, and just a lot of people of color. Yeah, it's a we, lot of big diverse.
2: Did group. I? See, did I see that Shane Hawk was doing one too?
3: Shane Hawk is doing one. He's yeah, awesome. I'm really proud of that. Yeah.
2: uh he's great. Uh,
3: Ryan Harding's doing one, mm-hmm. and that's the fun of the series is taking these authors that normally don't do. Westerns and seeing what they can do with uh, with it, you know. Yep. That's the, to me. That's the real fun. You know, uh, <clears throat> it's not. I'm nothing against you know writers that aren't established, but it's taking that writer that's already established and people know their body of work, and then just completely fucking it up and <laughs> having them write something totally outside the norm. Yeah, <laughs> hell so, yeah. <laughs> like just like uh, Brian Smith is <clears throat> his is going to be the last one of this season's. So I'm really looking forward to that, see what he can do it. Cause Westerns are not his gig. I think you are almost ready for another excerpt from, from a uh, feast of infants act one. <laughs> oh God.
1: <laughs> Did I? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm back and I'm ready. <laughs> ready yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. My wife, this was her particular favorite passage. Oh shit. My eyes get wide as I try to process the blood running down my thighs out of instinct. I grab my silken bush low near my saggy and meaty (laughs) pierced lips to assess the situation. I bring my hand forward and upward brushing my thick swollen insensitive clitoris as I do. It sends a quiver through my body and a chill up my spine.
0: Wowza. That's a chill up my spine too.
3: (laughs) That's going to be the next release. I don't know. I'm going to use that somehow
2: I'm going to need another uh, bathroom break real quick <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> oh my god I don't, I mean, honestly that is there's, I, wait till I read the last mm. one y'all are going to go, what the fuck did you just read <laughs> and I just want y'all to know that it wasn't me I am literally reading from a manuscript I got so yes. don't blame me yeah,
1: absolutely <laughs> Oh, so uh, before we broke, you guys were talking about promotion, right? And um, how you, you know, uh, you feel like you you haven't done enough for, for a piece of work sometimes. Um, so what are your tactics for promotion exactly? H- how do you go about pushing
2: a book? Uh, my tactics are entirely chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, definitely a big part of it is just trying to like, you know largely on Twitter but also on Instagram mm-hmm. and to some degree Facebook though it doesn't really work for anything mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. I'll just like uh-huh. talk about the book as it's being created like from you know once I have it kind of try to build some uh just a little bit of hype I don't know for it just people hearing about like new book from so and so or first book by so and so uh and then as the different things happen like it's edited or like we're just waiting for the print proof. you know post about that get a get the pre-order set up when the book is fit, like fully complete get it out to uh some reviewers uh just get it in the hands of some people who will hopefully like it and then spread the word that way uh i have, I have the email like like i said very intermittent I, for a while there i was doing it every other week but that kind of seemed like too much uh, to just like spam people with like, Here, buy, here's more books from us. So I always try to include other stuff in the email, like I'll spotlight another project, like somebody else's anthology or, you know, something like that. Uh, mm. I, I feel like I'm at a point where I don't know how to necessarily grow the marketing aspect, but I also feel pretty comfortable in knowing that Weird Punk has a fairly solid base of people who tend to buy the books. There's almost a, like, right. a grown a built in <clears throat> audience, which was always my goal of like being a publisher. Cause I do this with publishers, right. Having those publishers where it's like, they put out a book nine times out of 10, I'm going to buy it unless it's just not quite my thing. Uh, I've always mm-hmm. wanted to be that. And there's been, you know, a little bit of growth in that area for sure.
1: Right. Okay.
3: I mean, I, I have to mimic everything he said, you know, uh, that's exactly what we do. Uh, just all the forms of social media. And like you said, you kind of, you do a few things on Facebook, but they really don't go anywhere anymore. So, and Twitter is really the big, our big seller right now. And then of course we, we let people in on the phases of what's going on. Even have Justin post uh, pictures of his covers in progress, you know, just to keep the interest. That's cool.
2: I love that y'all do that. When it
3: and then when it finally comes out, people are like have been so they they kind of feel invested in the process, you know, you make them feel like they're part of the book from the beginning, and then they're they're more apt to buy it at the end, yeah, right. The final, final product comes
2: out. I know a lot of publishers do the like tend to spend a lot of money on ads or spend some money, like have an ad budget. I've done, I don't know, maybe like five ads over the years I've been doing it, you know, I've done a couple ads here and there in dark moon digest i've done ads on the this is horror podcast a couple times and i've done ads in the weird horror magazine because that one makes like a ton of sense it's a similar type of thing uh mm-hmm. but i do think like ads <laughs> suck <laughs> just, i'm just a person who like doesn't like them in general so i feel like this <laughs> inclined to want to do that i feel like yeah. that type of marketing doesn't necessarily work that great I've never had one
3: be a successful campaign yet. Yeah. I've always it's always cost more than it took in.
2: Yep,
3: right. Because we used to do one on the on the uh, Keen podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, on every release, we would just do that, and it really. I mean, early in your when you just start out, it's good to get your name out there. Uh, but then it just it it doesn't pay for itself. You yeah. Know, and anything that doesn't pay for yourself, you have to make that decision to to not do it. Now, and, course, and if you yeah. want to, you want to add in something like org or mm-hmm. you know Fangoria, it's going to cost you a couple of thousand bucks. Yeah,
2: I couldn't believe that. I Shit. looked, I looked at Rue at one
0: point, just curious. <laughs> Thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, I was like planning on doing that. I was like, oh fuck, no, that's out of the budget. <laughs> yeah. And they're fuck tiny. The if you want a half page
3: ad, which nobody really pays any attention to the little, the little square ads. If you want to take out a half page, you're looking at. Sometimes five grand, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's nuts. And you, you don't. I mean, a lot of books don't even sell five grand, you know, worth of books in, yeah, yeah. really, or in their life, or in their life. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, you know, but yeah, (laughs) in their life, we've got some books that have made eleven dollars in their whole life, and right. Uh, so you're still struggling to pay for the cover art, yep. let alone an ad budget for it. Yep. So, and I think that goes a lot to what Sam was saying about when you, for, when you, you know, books die on the vine, because when you're only making $11 on the book, it's hard to invest the time, you know, and that's right. and honestly, that's not mm-hmm. fair to the author that wrote it. And I realized that. And like I said, we're working to change it. So no, no bad emails to my email address. <laughs> we are yeah. working on it. Yeah, uh, because if we sign someone, we believe in them, you know. And when you let it die on the vine, it kind of sends out the wrong message that you don't believe in them. And it's yeah. not fair. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah,
3: it's
2: that's it's always
1: some.
3: So, oh,
2: go go ahead, ahead, Sam.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead, man.
2: I, I was just, It's always weird too because I feel like with marketing in general, uh, whether a book initially does okay or not. I feel like I I, and I don't know if this is true for for y'all as well but I try to approach each book kind of as its own thing like I don't have one set of here's exactly how I market every book because the landscape is constantly shifting and you know what each book needs is kind of different like
3: right because it's not about getting
2: the book in front of people it's getting the book in front of the right people the right you're all right who are the the people who will read and enjoy this book
3: yes
1: right right
3: yeah and in in this and sometimes you miss the mark right by a long shot yeah so i think marketing
0: marketing is like the least my least favorite part of of it all to be honest (laughs) you kind
3: of hope the book will market itself and that you'll just start selling tons of them, and word of mouth will just <laughs> take care of it all. Yep, but it yeah, but it just doesn't happen like that very often, <laughs> it right? Certainly yeah. is the
2: dream when it does. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's
3: like oh, I don't have to do anything. You know, it's like hey, do you want me to do a post? No need. Uh, I sold you know three hundred <laughs> copies of this today, which that never happens,
1: right? <laughs> have uh, either of y'all ever done any promotion that's not? internet-based, like you've dropped any radio ads, TV ads, uh, you know, posters in bookstores, anything like that?
3: I, uh, there are one of our local DJs just inter- did an interview with us. Uh, not last week uh, for Stygian <clears throat> Sky. So we're, we're doing that on a local level and our local paper, the Houston Chronicle is going to do a feature on uh Death press and myself. Wow. And, you know, nice. local, bo- local boy make, does good. Yeah, so, cool,
1: uh, man. Very cool.
3: to happen in August. You know whether it really does, but it might. It, the, the The reporter's already got in touch with me. He says he's busy for now, but he wants to do something in August. So, Is that okay, something yeah.
2: that you tried to set up, or did they come to you? How did that work?
3: Okay, well, I kind of rode the coattails. Okay, so the Houston Chronicle did this big write-up on Joe Lansdale.
2: Oh, yeah. Because he's a Texan, right? Yeah.
3: And so I, I saw who did the byline. Found him on Twitter and then, you know, congratulated him on a, uh, a, you know, a job well done for the article. And then I kind of like, you know, I'm also from Houston. I'm a publisher and we actually published some Joe Lansdale, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, do you want to do something? And I was like, uh, me? You know, which was my whole intention to begin with. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, little old me. Why? Uh, yes, I think I can manage that, you know. So, you know, sometimes you got to make your own look.
2: Yeah, that's super cool. No
3: no fear, you know? All they can say is no. This is true,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the the only non-web stuff have been those magazines. like uh, Weird Horror and Dark Moon Digest are both print horror magazines. Uh, I think Weird Horror comes out twice a year and Dark Moon Digest is quarterly. Uh, But I've just had a couple things with that. Oh, and what actually, you... right, gravely unusual, right, Edwin? I've got an ad. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Right? It's an upcoming issue, but which is you were gracious enough to just ask for an ad, so I appreciate that.
0: I always <laughs> ask for free ads for people because honestly, I don't have um, enough content to fill up. So I'm like, oh, well, I can just fill it with an ad for someone cool. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fucking great. I, I really that is
3: fucking good. You know? Yeah, yeah. we always, always
0: like, do free because you know, I mean, it, like it really does. It pisses me off when you see like big big magazines and stuff with ads for like, you know, a few grand and you're like, you know, it's not in anybody's budget, you know, to no, like man. Pay that shit. and you know, it's not going to pay back for that. It's kind of like criminal in its own, its yeah. own aspect, you know? Yeah.
1: So. That reminds me of like what Robert Rodriguez, who's one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, Texas guy, what he says about um, how, if you, if you have the money to solve your problems with money, you'll use the money hose to hose your problems down. You know, if you don't have the money, you'll fucking figure it out with your heart and your brain and you'll end up with something better. And these like, uh, publications like Rue and Fango asking for that kind of money for an ad. It's like, who the fuck do you think needs these ads? And these you know are what quarterly I mean?
3: Productions too. So these are only quarterly. So you're spending all this money to, to get in one edition, it's going to be like, you know, the only one for three months. So it's not like you're on this, you know, every week kind of uh, magazine. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a big investment. And no, one of those ads
0: will cover. And I, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I could be wrong. But I know with if my print costs for as little as I do, I know how cheap it can be. I know what corners you can cut. And I've seen some of, like, you know, new fangories and stuff. I'm like, I know it's it's not – it's probably not offset. It's it's digital, you know. That comes cheap. Uh-huh. I know it's cheap to print. One of those ads will probably cover, you know, half that run. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, I mean, maybe not that much. But, you know, it covers a substantial amount, you know. So, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It is. They the get, they're turning off that. It's- if they can get 10 of those ads,
3: which they can because they're – they're well-known, I mean, they've paid for their run in just ad space, you know
0: what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So, it's interesting right, to think yeah. about,
2: like, the why on that, and it just suddenly dawned on me. Obviously, we're talking, we're from small press perspectives talking right. about a magazine that, you know, the the magazines that main focuses are horror movies, like
4: big right, yeah. budget,
2: typically right. horror movies. So it's like, of course, those studios are like, oh, is it five grand to do an ad? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, do it, right. do it. But yeah, it's like five yeah, grand, yeah. you know, like, what can I do with five grand? Holy shit. Like,
0: yeah, know. I mean, it just shows how far removed people like just how much, you know, big wigs and a lot of money is far removed from the average, you know, working class person that's doing this shit. You yeah, know? Absolutely. yeah, for
4: sure. Yeah, but I mean, that's sure. why
3: I, I've always going to have to have a second job pretty much for to do this, you know, or not a second job. This is my same job, <laughs> yeah. a main job, you know, a nine to five, yeah. you know, that pays the bills. Yep. And, uh, so.
1: Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's
3: hard. It's tough. And and like Sam, it's mainly for the love of doing, doing something, that is going to last. Yep.
2: Yeah. I'm. I'm. Oh.
3: Helping folks out. You know.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm in a position now because I lost my job, where I feel like it is my job, uh, but also like. I'm trying, I'm like, is this possible, like, in any world, could I actually make this my job? It remains to be seen, but it is, I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> fuck it, maybe, who knows? Well, I'd be it's living that, under that, a bridge. where I'm at, yeah, that's, yeah.
3: I'd be living under a bridge if I had to depend on this to, uh, to pay any bill. <laughs> we wouldn't have electricity, we wouldn't have water, uh, so. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah. it's not the greatest business model in the world, Yeah, no. it's fun as hell. I just, like, yeah. I also,
2: like, i come from, like, I don't have kids, I don't have, you know, I have. My landlord is a friend of mine, so my rent's pretty cheap. Like, you know, aside <laughs> yeah. from student loans and credit card debt, like it's, you know, I I have a pretty low bar for what I need to survive. Ideally, I'd like to have more than that, but you know, I'm like, let's see if I can roll for a while just doing this.
3: Dude, I'll swap you. I'd like to have a whole lot less. <laughs> oh so, uh, uh, yeah, America, it's, it's America. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, man. America.
1: Hey, so let's uh, let's back this thing up, man. Um how about you guys tell us about your first release? Uh and, and Sam, for you, you know, that can you can choose to to talk about one from back when you still had your partner, you know, from the earliest days, or you can talk about from when you took over. But um, you know, what was your first release like? What were your expectations like and what was the reality like?
2: Uh yeah, I can I'll do After I took over, uh, so the kind of like beta before I had my own total first release was Zombie Punks Fuck Off, which I had been. uh, Emma was like, "You just pub, I'll just publish it. You edit it on your own." So I like curated the stories and did all did an open call and yada yada yada. And that it was like partway through that that Emma decided. I mean, that book was a year late because my wife died, and I. Couldn't do anything, you know. But she was a huge believer in me as an author and in weird punk, and so it's kind of really important for me that that project get finished. And so, after about a year after she died, I was like feeling—I don't want to say like human again, but but more than what I had been feeling. I was like, I can maybe do this now. This is like a level of project in which I can do and will hopefully help me keep going. Uh, so I went to, I went to Emma to be like, all right, I'm ready to like finish this. And we had already gotten the stories. They just needed edits and the art was already done. We just needed to like finish the, basically the internal. And that's when she was like, all right, I'm like, just going to hand it to you. So you can just have it and do whatever you want. And I went, I don't fucking know how to put out a book. (laughs) (laughs) I have been co-editing anthologies. Uh, And then had edited this, but I didn't know any of the kind of back end of like laying it out or even how you get it fucking printed. Like she, as the owner of weird punk book had been books had been handling all of that. And I was just the co-editor. And so I had this like, fuck, I don't know anything about this moment. Uh, So I thought about like, okay, is there like a press I could approach to with this basically finished project uh, who would be interested in, Essentially like publishing it, either publishing it for me or kind of co-publishing it with Weird Punk. And I ended up talking to Christoph and Lisa at Clash Books and they're friends of mine and they agreed to to put it out as a co-release. So they kind of handled the back-end stuff on that. And that was kind of my first almost <laughs> and then the next was the 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 New Flesh, the Cronenberg tribute, which I co-edited with Brendan Vedito. Who's a very good friend of mine and an amazing writer in his own right. And uh, I was just like, we had talked about that book from literally the day we met. It's like their, uh, Cameron Pierce, uh, who used to run Lazy Fascist Press, had done the David Lynch uh, tribute anthology. And I was like, why hasn't anybody done it? Like, we were both like, why hasn't anybody done a fucking Cronenberg anthology? It's oh, obvious man. and it fucking rules. And then, you know, years later, it was like, all right, let's do this. This is going to be the first weird punk release that I'm like, I had to learn how to do everything for. Uh, And it was kind of wild because I had no fucking idea what I was doing despite having edited, you know, previous books. But uh, it was (laughs) it was interesting. And I'm really glad I like took the plunge and went like, no, like I'm going to do as much of this as I can. I I will pay for really good art. But I want to do like every other element of this because I just want to be really hands on and kind of granular with all the shit. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was a very good experience.
1: So from from like the the time when you made that decision that, that I'm gonna be the fucking guy who does everything on this stuff, uh, from that moment until you were done with that first release, how much time were you looking at? Uh,
2: I think we put out. The submission call not long after we decided to do it, I was like, hey, let's just, I'm ready. Let's just fucking do it. He was on board right away. Uh, so we spent some time building out the submission guidelines and then revising them several times. And uh, then we put those in. I got to i I don't know, I'd have to guess like about a year maybe from the initial conception of like, let's fucking do this to the holding the book in my hand in our hands and that was really i like the previous anthologies i had done had gotten you know like zombie punks fuck off had gotten the most stories and that was like 90 some uh submissions and that cronenberg book got like 200 fucking submissions
0: (laughs) damn (laughs) and and i know people
2: now like get even you know crazier than that like you know getting 800 or whatever but even like 200 was I did the math on it if they were all roughly 4,000 words it's like more words than the bible uh <laughs> right. and I'm the kind of asshole who's like if they submitted it even if I hate it from word one I'm reading the whole thing because I want to oh, give it yeah. its due diligence I just feel yeah, like yeah. there's like uh yeah. I don't know it's like an honor to read somebody's work even if I don't like it I want to give it the tribute that it's owed, you know, from somebody spending hours crafting a story. And right, yeah. so like I read every one of those and I mean, a bunch of them were shit. Uh, but I read every <laughs> word of every one of those fucking stories.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So out of that, that like year of, of learning process, what was, what would you say is like your hardest learned lesson?
2: Ah, uh, fuck. I don't know. Um, you know, stretching yourself really thin, was one because I was really wanting to get back to people as quickly as possible. But when you have that many submissions and I kind of, right. they started right. rolling in and we had this moment of like, should we start reading them now or should we wait till it's over to start reading them? Uh, right. And I was like, we can just wait, which was the wrong choice. I just didn't think we get <laughs> that many. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. We'll get like 120 or something. Uh, but definitely like the burnout, when you're reading stories, especially short stories with similar, a lot of similar themes or similar imagery popping up, I would have to like, I can read three in one sitting and then like hours later, I can read two or three more because otherwise it all just blends together and you stop being able to tell the trash from the treasure.
1: Okay. At least for me,
2: you know, it was just like, just your eyes, like my eyes would glaze over and, like, the ideas couldn't penetrate my brain anymore.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Jared?
2: All right, so our first
3: release was the And Hell Followed uh, anthology. And we definitely had no clue what we were doing. Uh, luckily, we didn't do open submissions for that one. Uh, it was... It, it was about the time of the KillerCon came back in 2018 that we that we did all of this. So, what we did was just we went to KillerCon and we just started approaching authors, you know, like Jeff Strand, Rath James White. Uh,
1: oh, okay. Okay. You know, so
3: and we're like, hey, do you want to be part of this? Uh, blah, blah, blah. So, it, it was just no fear. We would ask, we asked Brian Keene, and that was how we got uh, Wiley Young. Uh, was going, Brian said he didn't have time, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, and then we got all the stories. Of course, I didn't edit them myself at all. I had uh, I had several different people edit them. Monica J. O'Rourke did some editing for us on that. Uh, so, and that, would, that whole process was pretty short uh, because I knew I didn't have to go through all of these submissions. So it was four months from idea to when we had the book in our hand well wow a more than four months i guess six months so, Shit. yeah and uh and it was it's a very huge learning experience uh and what i learned from it the biggest thing was manage your expectations about what you're doing because going into it you know we already had the hole dug for the pool out back that this book was going <laughs> to was gonna bring in you know right, right. and you know it was like yeah do we want the waterfall mm. yes we do we want the waterfall <laughs> yeah. so i mean so it got released and it sold about a hundred copies you know and we were like what the hell you know i mean in over time you know it's a it's a marathon with every book yeah i mean so over time it's 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 paid for itself but uh yeah, just managing your expectations is tough because you think everything that you're putting out, everybody else in the world is going to feel the same way as you do and want right. it. Of
1: course, and yeah. It,
3: it just them ain't the, that ain't reality. So right, yeah, uh, yeah. So and, and it's just don't be afraid to approach people who you who you respect and you think are kind of non approachable, unapproachable because. Uh, you know, especially in our little genre, the horror authors, they're all approachable. They all want to sell work. They, right. If you're right. and pay your authors, don't try to, you know, token them to death. Be like, Oh, we'll give you a $10 token payment. You know, if you want really good authors, be willing to pay at least close to uh, professional rates.
1: Right. Of course. So, yeah. <clears throat> or yeah. Don't, don't
3: insult them with a super low offer. You know, you're, they know you're new. So a lot of them are willing to do it for less than what they would to uh, say Macmillan or something like that. Of course. Right. But, uh, just, uh, treat your authors, right, and right.
2: Right. Co-signed on that for sure. Yeah.
1: So, uh, speaking of that, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of deals do you guys offer writers? Obviously in the indie publishing game, you're not in the fucking position to offer signing bonuses and that kind of shit. Uh, So what are your working relationships
2: with authors? Um, Generally my terms are uh, there's a for print books, like all across, no matter where it's sold for print books, I do a 60, 40 split. Uh, The publisher like gets 60%. The author gets 40 for Uh eBooks. I do 50, 50. Uh, I also do, you get 10 copies of the book and you get a $50 bonus when the book comes out. And none of that stuff, the royalties, the bonus or the book sale or like the, the 10 books, uh, are weighted against royalties at all. Like royalties pay from first book sold. Like that 40%, like I don't, some publishers especially in the bigger, right? Like you, they wait till the book makes its own, like makes the money back. It pays like basically pays right. for itself and then they start paying out. I like pay yeah. out from first sale, uh, and then with anthologies, I've historically always just done one cent a word. Uh, I think I'm at a point now. If we do another one, probably more than that. I could start doing two. But uh, anthologies are very expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. They are. Uh, but oh. I definitely like. I want to be as good to the authors as possible. I want to make it as equitable and fair as possible. I my contracts are really like like I ask for three years, but the author can pull it any time and the book will stay in print in perpetuity unless they pull it. Um, and I would, I can think of very few reasons why I would, I would pull a book, but you know, if like somebody came out that somebody was sexually predatory or, you know, said a bunch of transphobic shit or any of that, I would like cut that shit clean off. Uh, right. That's just a line for me. Um but yeah, I just, I want it to be as like fair as possible. Um, I don't know. And I know there are small presses that do 50-50 on everything, uh, which is really cool, but like amazing to me. Cause I'm like, even that little 10% like does help make things more sustainable. <laughs> right, right. Uh,
1: how about like when it comes to anthologies, um, is that a royalty thing or is that a one-time
2: it's so a one time the story. And, and I've it. done it. I've done it both ways. I've done uh, one time, a penny a word. Uh, and then you also get a copy of the book. Um, you always get a copy of the book. Like I have a thing. Everybody who's involved in the book. It's a copy. So like the cover artists always get a free copy uh, uh-huh. along with the payment. Like I always pay my artists. Uh, uh, but with anthologies, the beautiful grotesque one, I did try a royalty split. Um, and it wasn't, huge because it's split among uh there's four five of us because I have a story in there too um and I ended up like initially what I offered ended up like I wasn't gonna make any money on that book (laughs) like the press was probably the book probably wasn't gonna pay itself back uh so I approached them all it was all friends of mine but I approached them all being like yeah after this is done like I've done some number crunching is there any way I can buy a percentage like a, a few you know percentage points back from you with like in copies of the book and everybody was gracious so i was like you don't have to do it but like help me let this book not like ever pay for itself uh <laughs> so that was an experiment because i like that idea if it sells it can i think be better at this point they've definitely gotten well over what they would have in a one-time uh one-time sale or a one-time like I buy the story for a penny a word or whatever. It's definitely sold enough that it's well over that. They probably made three cents a word or something on it, at least by this point. Uh, but it's honestly, that's a lot of math though. So I don't think I'm going to say that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about
2: you, Jared?
3: I mean, we're, uh, we're one of the ones that we go 50-50 down everything.
1: Gotcha, man. Uh, from,
3: from audio to ebooks to paperbacks. Uh, wow. We we allow them to buy copies from us at cost plus a small stipend. Uh, and then let's see, which which allows us, you know, in doing selling them the copies so cheap that allows them to buy whatever that they sell is theirs when they buy them from us. And then we right. well, we mm-hmm. sell it cons belongs to us. So we kind of work out that deal. Uh, they get cheap books and they can make a little extra cash. And so can we, I have a uh,
2: similar right. thing with cons too. Yeah. Whatever I right. sell at a convention, because the overhead, so I yeah. never make any money. So I, and I also have that. So I mean to fully interrupt you, but yeah, same thing. Yeah. They can buy copies at cost whenever they want.
3: And if we're at the same con, I won't sell their book. Yep. Yep. Uh, So they can, they can you uh, know, right. give them a chance to, to because like in Kansas city, I had both, uh, Wiley Young and Wes, you know, selling three of the books that we, we publish. So, I mean, we were kind of in some situations, cause we do three for 30 on the books. And since the splatter Westerns was a series, people would always want to buy it from us. So we would just sell it to them, but then take the money over to Wiley and then just take one of his books.
1: You know what I mean? Ah, so, uh, okay. Yeah.
3: It's a, uh, you don't want to take them. You, you want to let them make their money and that keeps them happy. So, uh, and that's what it's all about. But yeah, we're straight 50-50. We're, we'll be changing that policy uh, because it is so hard to maintain at a 50-50.
1: Right, um, I can imagine, what,
3: yeah. What we're soon going to start offering is is a lot less percentage, but we're going to offer a lot more marketing. Uh, we're going to start pushing a lot a uh, lot more money towards uh, getting in the uh, Publishers Weekly and in the uh, Carcass uh, Kirkus. I almost said Crocus, you know, alive. <laughs> so, uh, so we're gonna get Crocus to do a TikTok of our books. <laughs> so that's that's pretty costly because they need the cash at this point in time. They do, um, yeah. Uh, But yeah, we, we're gonna push more towards you know public, you know, doing more high end uh, marketing and see how that works out. Uh, we're gonna offer less percentage but more potential sales. So we, we're hoping that that works out, and if it doesn't work out, we'll go back to the fifty-fifty.
2: So, gotcha. I, I actually cool had a man. question for you, Jared. I uh, saw that with the Brian Keane book, right? With, with teeth, right? Is that what it's called?
3: Yeah, that, that is with
2: uh, it is. You did you had a traditional printer print that? You didn't do print-on-demand initially, right? You had a local print.
3: Correct. There? Correct. I still have some of those. Yeah, we did a we did like a small uh, three hundred print run through a traditional binary here, a local business here around our area, you know, just to support local business and to see how it would go. Yeah. And and so far it's going good. So we're going to start doing that with a lot of our books. We're still going to offer it on Amazon, but we are for, so you can pre-order the paperback. We're going to do print runs on it. Right. So you can go to our website and get the paperback from us early earlier than because we all will always release it earlier than we will on Amazon. Right. So, and we'll offer a little discount from Amazon. So yeah, we're, we're trying that out. We're also starting to print a uh, small runs of the mass meat mass market size of the books. Oh, cool. So so we're going to, we're, we're just, we're trying to, I mean, it sounds gimmicky, but these are like gimmicks that people miss. They miss the mass market, uh, paperback book that you can put in your back pocket. So, uh, you I do, love absolutely. those books,
0: man. I I, mm. I prefer those little <laughs> little yeah. books that you can just read. You know what I mean? So I, I hate hardbacks too. I can't I, I hate like bigger books. I like something I can carry around the house with me because I'm like always moving around and shit. So right, right. Yeah, and people
3: and, and and the old mass market were were poor quality, you know, they would fall apart. But these are gonna be trade paperback quality just in the mass market size. So cool. You know, they won't be they won't exactly be mass market pricing you know, like it used to be, but uh, you'll get a lot higher quality and the book will last you forever. Isn't that- so,
0: so-, so you said you were doing a local, you did a local shop to, to print. Like traditionally, what do you guys typically use to print the books? How do you guys approach the the printing, uh, you know, um, printing each issue or each, each book? Now
3: or in the past when we just exclusively did Amazon? Because that's what we did was exclusively.
0: Oh, exclusive. okay, okay.
3: So it was all print on demand, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but with this, you know, it, it's just a lot higher quality because Amazon—they really don't give a shit about you at all. <laughs> I'm uh, sure, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, the, you could drop all your books from them, and they would not give one shit. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas these uh, these small mom and pops, they want to keep your business, so they're you know they're willing to work with you. Their quality's top notch. Uh, you can get little bells and whistles that you can't really get from Amazon. You know what I mean? So with because they have the templates, you you follow the template and this is your book, like it or lump it, you know, yeah, uh, just a lot more freedom and you actually, the books cost more per unit to print that way, but you get to keep more of it as well. You don't have to pay that 60% to Amazon. Yeah, right, right. Right. but their distribution network is second to none. You know, you of of course, yeah. They've made it where you almost can't survive without Amazon. Yeah,
0: that's so, scary.
3: <laughs> but our, our store is doing quite well. I didn't know it would take off as it did, but because uh, I do a lot of shipping, I do a lot of shipping. It's uh, it, I I'm really pleased with it. You know, so
2: yeah, that's same. Like I started the Weird Punk Web Store in I think 2019 when the the new Flesh came out, and at that time, like my now out of print short story collection, To All and Ash and Other Sorrows, had recently come out and just like various anthologies i was in i had copies and i was like i gotta find a way to sell these uh and so i did that and it's you know for me it's only grown uh Mm -hmm. it's great i have orders damn near every day if not every day Um, i do yeah we had
3: i had a couple pop up right while we were talking you know it's always like
2: you always do a little
3: dance every time one comes up Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah. Because my phone yeah. makes this little cash register sound every time. I, got here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that shit. I'm like, oh, have another sale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bam, you know.
2: I'm so. I'm really interested in the uh, having printing like a traditional publishing or a traditional printer uh, publish stuff. I've thought a lot about doing that too because I'm always very Amazon averse as well. Trying to guide people into the store. Guide people into the store. I actually don't use Amazon for printing. I use Ingram Spark, uh, yeah. which there it costs a little more on the up, on the front end because you have to pay to upload the files. It's like twenty five dollars for the ebook and twenty five dollars for the physical, and which I you don't with the Amazon version. But the I found that the quality is slightly higher of like the paper and the binding uh and also they have a distribution network that makes it available like everywhere so you can buy weird punk releases from like fucking i don't know barnes and noble and like bookshop and even indie bookstores are able to get it if they're in the network and
0: that's that's definitely a plus i think because i feel like distribution is really that's something that's really hard for me so yeah
2: it's it's one of those things where it's like a little bit of a okay like yeah, ninety if it's not in the store, a good 95 percent of my sales are Amazon, but I like people to be able to not buy from Amazon if yes. don't. yeah, yeah. Like that it puts
3: more money in your
2: pocket and the author's pocket. Yeah. When they buy direct from you. Oh yeah, for sure. I just wanna always avoid the monopoly Amazon Amazon has on publishing. So
0: does that website that you use have to um do you have to do like the layout and graphic design element of it, or do you just upload, upload the files or like, how does that work?
2: Yeah. I have to have like the full jacket already done and the internal, okay. it's like, you know, you put the, the finished cover wrap on a template for them to print off of. Mm-hmm. And you upload your formatted. Yeah. Like formatted internal file and they build the book from it.
3: You know, and if you if you've got an IBPA membership, I think the, the paperback is free to upload. Oh shit! It's one. It's one of the per, uh, perks of uh, joining us. It. One hundred and thirty-five a year. Oh, but I think you get the
2: uploads free. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: So, mm-hmm. we're, seeing we're trying our distribution, I should go with Ingram. But we're trying this place called Small Bit, uh, Small Press United. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You have to apply and be accepted. You know, and we're in that process right now. But they, they, uh, they market it and distribute it to bookstores. You know, Books a Million. Barnes and Noble uh, and things of that nature. So we're going to try that with the traditional print run and, and using that and see how it goes. Oh, we'll interesting. Just leave Amazon behind. Yeah. 100%. Get off their tit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, like every year they want more money. They want more of your cut. and Like it gets smaller and smaller. Like how the <sighs> fuck, like how can yeah, you know? they get it? Yeah. They get, cause what else are you going to do? do? It's like the biggest yeah. thing in town.
3: And you're like yes uh, here just take my money you yeah know? yeah because you you have no choice
2: i know I, I had seen like lucas mangum who i know you've you've published yep. the, on he did that book uh, he used Gumroad to publish it which i think is kind of a similar thing where it's just like its own platform and uh he can decide how many copies i think are printed like i, th- I do think it like they print when they're ordered uh, yeah. but it's like he can limit it. There's some I didn't. I don't know the whole thing, but I was like I've seen a couple indie authors use Gumroad for stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's any good or not. But
3: <laughs> and I know, I know you know everybody's uh, seen the new Godless thing that's been yeah here lately. Yeah, uh, you know and that and that's a good deal that that gives presses and authors themselves you know the self published guys uh, you know kind of a distribution and it's a good deal. Uh, we, we use it for a few of our books and, uh, hope that takes off. Yeah. I have,
2: I have all the weird punk stuff on there too. And I, I cut them a deal where I just do like, I don't really, I know there are ebook readers. I don't want to alienate ebook readers. I'm not an ebook reader. I've never read an ebook in my life. Uh, so it's something that I do and they look nice, but I just don't really care about them. Uh, so, I have them. They exist for all the weird punk releases, but I started talking with Drew at Godless at one point and I cut them a deal where the, the eBooks on Amazon and like Barnes and Noble and shit are four ninety nine for any of our titles, but yeah. on Godless, they are ninety nine. I was like, right, we buy right. them there. We still like the author and I get way more money. If you buy them off there and you save a dollar.
3: Well, we've been toying with the idea of trying to get something started like a like almost like a co op, you know, we, we buy a printer, you know, oh yeah that's uh that's like yeah. capable of printing books, you know, and, and just get a co op of, you know, self published authors and and publishing houses and and you know, they they get their books relatively cheap if they join the co op and help pay the maintenance and the fees on the machine. I think sure. uh that's a great idea,
0: actually. Yeah, that's but, a killer you know, Those idea. machines are
3: like several hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, that's it's very cost intense, uh, intensive. So, yeah. but I'm still toying with the idea, and I've uh, I've kind of got an investor now. So we might try to make something like that work wow. if we can get enough people interested in doing something like that, and then we can give Amazon a the money.
2: Yeah, I I love that. Other I know, like I'm not alone in this, but I love hearing other people talk about like ways that you know we could potentially do outside of the amazon system and exist outside of that because it is so fucked because i've thought a lot about doing like i kind of i come from punk and the old like distro you know method you go to a punk show and there's a guy selling records and yeah <laughs> he's not playing in a band he's just selling we got distro yeah, records <clears throat> and i've thought a lot about that not necessarily that exact thing of being at a show but like setting up some kind of indie press distro where I would yeah. buy copies, you know, a few copies of each release from a ton of small horror presses uh, right. and then sell right. them uh, yeah. like in one place that isn't Amazon. That's like curated for small presses.
3: Correct. Yeah. Right.
2: That, that was, yeah, that goes with the whole plan, you know,
3: print them yourself, distribute them yourself and, you know, just offer these presses because we all know the, like the narrow margins and just if they're going to become a member give them member benefits, you know, you get your books for this, you know, and you can do it a lot cheaper. Yeah. You know? Right. But yeah. It, it's, it's just, you got to have, you got to have a place of business. You got to have a lot of things in in place to do something like that. It's got a lot of moving parts.
1: But, yeah. But does a uh, no, night, go ahead, Jared.
3: No, no, go ahead, please.
1: Night worms. Isn't that what night worms do? Aren't they sort of like a distribution? They're not a publisher, right? They're a no. distributor
3: they just do a a subscription package. So they just curate these books, you know, they'll get with the, and I don't know the, the whole workings of it, but from what I'm talking to Sadie, you know, they'll, a publisher will say, Hey, you know, we want to use nightworms to get our book out. And then they'll send them uh, uh, some copies at at whatever cost that they agree to. And then they'll just, you know, they just do little bundles of, uh, uh, it's just a subscription service.
1: Okay, obviously your work has got to pass muster with Sadie to get in. Oh there, absolutely right? she's a tough she's a tough <laughs> customer. Uh, yeah you know and they do yeah.
3: some ex- exclusives. so they uh they've got a Christiana exclusive coming out oh, wow. uh, oh shit. So they do do their mm. own little exclusive gigs where they you know, I guess they're working with the with the publisher to get them out. Uh, so yeah, they definitely do that, but yeah,
1: right on man. Right so right. I'm,
3: I'm gonna have to cut this short, fellas, because I'm gonna. Uh,
1: yeah, hey, I was about to say the same thing, Jared. I gotta work in the morning, man. Yeah, um,
3: 4 a.m. for me. But hey,
1: I, <laughs> you know, I want you guys both to have a chance to plug the hell out of whatever you got that's new and upcoming, man. Give it to us. Like, tell us what's coming out for Death Said and what's coming out for Weird Punk. All
3: right, for Death Said. Our, our next big release, of course, is going to be the new Ryan Harding Reincursion, which is a, uh, a sequel to the uh, reincarnage that Deadite put out. Uh, but we also got the rights for the reincursion and they added uh, oh, 30, 40 more pages to it. So they're calling it uh, Reincarnage Maximum Carnage. So we got those coming out. <laughs> uh, cool. We've got sequel to Chris Triana's Splatter Western, The Thirteenth Coyote. Uh, it's called Ballad of the vixens
1: Oh shit! Uh,
3: we got a Wiley Young uh, novella coming out called uh, Shades of the Blackstone. So we, we do have a lot of stuff coming up that aren't western related. And of course, we still have Christopher Rufty, his Splatter Westerns coming out, and Brian Smith's. Uh, uh, splatter western and then with stygian sky we have chris triana's uh kind of crime uh noir novel coming out called uh and the devil cried so cool and that's going to be like limited uh paper bag uh trade pa- uh, i mean limited hardcover trade hardcover and paperback so
1: very cool man right. very and cool that's it.
2: Uh, for and
1: uh so where do people find death's head press at where you know all right so you just go and
3: it'll take you right to our store to our website and, and you can find everything you need and of course all our books are available on amazon uh we prefer that people go to our website and buy them direct from us but if they must use the uh the machine they're always, <laughs> yeah. on,
1: they're always on amazon yeah cool thanks jared
2: Uh for Weird Punk, uh most recent release, Eric Laraka's uh Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. If you haven't read it, you should, because it's fucking really good and quite disturbing. (laughs) Uh and uh the next Weird Punk release comes out on August 31st, and it's the newest or the next release from Ali Say, uh who wrote Go Down Hard, the Grindhouse put out. Uh her new next book is called To Offer Her Pleasure which is not nearly as porny as it sounds from the title. <laughs> uh, Allie can get very porny. I mean, she does get <laughs> porny as uh, she did that for years, I believe. As <laughs> uh, Yeah. She's amazing. I'm so happy to have, be working with her. Uh, we're doing a cover reveal on August 6th uh, through Nightworms. Uh, and there'll be a pre-order for the book uh, for the weird punk store uh, during that pre-order as well. And Then in October, I don't have a title for it yet, but the next mini anthology is coming out, uh, and it's all horror stories set in or around uh, movie theaters, and (laughs) it's me and Katie Michelle Quinn and Joe Quinnell, who we did Laser Mall together, and then they were also like we did beautiful grotesque and brought some other people in so it's a three of us it's a third time the three of us each writing a thing and then this time we brought in brendan bedito and charles austin muir to each write a story as well uh but, little I,
3: texas well, uh, charles charles is from texas isn't he
2: uh he's from portland
3: oh i, I thought he was in austin who is that that's in austin michael Pat, uh, somebody anyways <laughs> like, <laughs> no
2: that's cool yeah uh austin's yeah.
3: got a pretty good scene just like portland
2: yep yeah there's a lot of writers there too uh, yeah, so that'll be out in October, but I don't have a name for it yet because I'm struggling to find, like, a good horror pun name for a movie. Uh, all right, yeah. Like, the Silver tough, Scream man. already exists. Yeah, you can't do that, man. Skip and and all
3: of them will be pissed. Yeah, you can't fucking cop yeah. that one. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, i mean if it wasn't so popular maybe but it was a <laughs> right. popular book. if it was forgotten long ago but it's not it's a great anthology yes yeah, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah so that's the those are the next two books on the docket i still haven't figured out the december book uh people can buy if you want to buy direct if in your ear in the u.s you want to buy direct weirdpunkbooks.com uh otherwise all the books are on godless and amazon and barnes and noble and even like i said indie publisher or indie bookstores can get them at least some of them can uh yeah
1: cool excellent excellent well thanks guys man thanks for taking time out of your evening to talk to us man this has been great yeah yeah right
3: Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, thank you so much. This is awesome. I, I mean, we were supposed to have some angst and some anger. <laughs> you know, but I don't think we got to that. I, I can. can. Can we close and I can read you all this last passage from. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, That'd be great. The from, absolutely. Uh, yes, please. List of Infants, Act One. Oh, yeah. All right. So this is. And this dude cut this paragraph off. I, I was kind of interested. I wanted to end this paragraph, but he cut it off. This is the very last one in the, uh, <laughs> the little sample. It says, legs still clenched together like a 12-year-old virgin at a pedophilia conference.
4: What the fuck? I make
3: it to my knees. I I shuffle through the drawer's contents on the floor and and find three super-heavy flow tampons. (laughs) I rip them open and tie the three strings together as blood and water drip from my face onto my hands as I frantically tie the last knot. Hands shaking like a meth whore going through withdrawals. The end. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, that was beautiful. That Bravo.
3: It's classic. It's going to be a new classic, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. So I'm going to send this guy some. Uh, I'm going to be like, just don't submit this to anybody.
2: <laughs> I will give you free books if you never show this to anyone ever again. Right.
3: Oh, I'm reading his card here. He actually has um, his own press. So, I won't what give out the name. The but v- yes. What the fuck? It's nothing the name. Interesting. Right